Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him and kissed him. The son said to him, him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the eldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, 
who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home. You kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Morning. Welcome, everybody. Um, can you all hear me okay? Yeah, okay, good, good start. Okay. Um, so let me begin by um, just telling you a little bit, a little something about myself. Um, I'm really bad at dressing for occasions. Um, I just don't have an inbuilt sense of what is appropriate. Um, so one time I was on a, I was on a trip to China um, with a, a sort of professional institution and on the first night, we were going out to dinner. Um, so Mike, the, the leader of the trip, who's a, a well-spoken English gentleman, um, said that the dress code was smart casual. Um, so it was quite hot that night. So, uh, so me thinking casual was in the description. I'd go wearing my best sports T-shirt and shorts. You know, Adidas, I think. You know, the stripes down the side. Um, and so as I was downstairs in the lobby, sort of mingling with the other delegates, uh, Mike came straight up to me um, and told me, fairly bluntly, um, that my outfit was not at all appropriate and that if I wanted to come to the dinner, I'd have to go upstairs and get changed right away um, and get changed into something smarter right now, which, of course, of course I did. <clears throat> so I'd got it massively wrong with the smart casual thing, and I, I just wasn't welcome um, at the dinner dressed like I was. So thankfully in the last um, decade and, and a half, Lorna has, Lorna has helped me to um, refine my sense of what is appropriate. <laughs> You'll be pleased to know. Um, but I guess the, the, the bigger point is it's really important to be welcomed, isn't it? Um, we all need to have a sense that we are, we are welcome. Um, or to put it another way, we need to have a sense that we belong in a certain place, uh, that we are at home. And a bigger question then is, well, how do I know I would be welcome in heaven? If heaven is the place where God lives, how do I know I would be welcome there? That I belong there, that that is a place where I can call my home. And so today we're going to look at this passage um, that Caroline read for us in, in cha- Luke chapter 15. And I'm going to give a, a, be speaking for about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and I've got three sections um, which follow the story which we call the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. And this story follows the pattern of the whole Bible as well. So I'll be referring to other bits of the Bible as I talk as well. And hopefully, as you are listening to to Caroline reading, you know that Jesus actually told three stories, quite similar stories, one after the other. And just at the start, uh, we need to hear who Jesus was speaking to, who the audience was, to help us to understand what that means for us. So the passage starts, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. 
So we see tax collectors and sinners listening to Jesus. The not very nice people in society. Perhaps those on the outside. The sort of the morally deficient. People who you kind of look down on. And then we've got the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The people who everyone looks up to. Those with the the power and the authority. And they were not at all impressed that Jesus was welcoming these sinners. So, with that audience in mind, Jesus tells these three stories. So, how do I know I would be welcome in heaven? Um, The first part of the story is, a man had two sons. At the beginning, oh dear, um, everybody, uh, everything was good. We see a man had two sons, and they lived comfortably. They had land and servants who were well provided for. In the other stories, Jesus wants us to imagine one of us having a hundred sheep, or a woman having ten valuable coins. Um, In the beginning, everything was good. And at the beginning of the Bible, we read that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he had finished creating, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Many of you know my job is as an engineer, and so what I do day to day is I design new things, taking them from an idea, just something you can write on a post-it note, and then designing, um, concepting, developing that idea into a real physical product. Um, And it's always really exciting um, when parts arrive from a supplier, parts that I've designed, um, having been made to my design, and then we can put all the different parts together and we can bring a a machine to life for the first time. Creating is fun, it's satisfying, it's good. So in the beginning, God made the world and it was good. And we see that in the world around us, don't we? We see that in the amazing vastness of the universe, all the amazing stars and galaxies. That was taken from NASA's 23 most beautiful pictures. Um, Google it later, it's fascinating. So the really, really big things. And we see that even in amongst all the massive vastness of the universe, the really, really small things, the attention to tiniest details, that is a a, a visualisation of a strand of DNA, like billionths of a, of a metre big, and all the intricacy and information contained there. We see that in the, in the beauty um, of kind of mountain scenes. We see that in cre- creatures, kind of soft, cuddly creatures. Um, we see that in people, making us all different and amazing and finally, in my, my boy's favourite creature, the naked mole rat. <laughs> and all of, the, <laughs> um, all of the strangeness in creation as well. <laughs> um, so the world is good, yeah? It provides for our needs. It's beautiful. It's exciting. There's loads to explore. There's loads of sights. Sounds, smells, flavours, textures, 
we can enjoy the good world that God has made. Okay, you see, out of the joy and love in himself, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit made the world good. And more than that, people were made to live in relationship with God. God wanted to share that happiness and joy that he had in himself with others. He can't keep that to himself. He has to pour out his life-filling self into others. So, a man had two sons, and then the younger son ran away. See, the younger son didn't stay at his father's house, but he ran away. He asked for his share of the inheritance, which was effectively like saying to his dad, I want your money and not you. Even, I wish you were dead so I can have your stuff now, and went away. It's interesting that the father just gives him what he asks for. He doesn't stop him from running away, but leaves his son to make his own choices, even when that costs the father. See, back in the beginning of the Bible, we see that the first humans, Adam and Eve, decided to go their own way. Rather than enjoying all of God's good gifts, they chose to do the one thing that God had forbidden. They wanted God's things and not God. And God gave them a choice. That was a, it was a real choice, whether to trust him and do what he said, or to go their own way and face the consequences. And we read, so the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden. The consequence is that we're sent away from God's home. Our relationship with God is broken and we are lost. So our biggest problem is not inflation, cost of living crisis, or climate change, you know, or our biggest problem is not that our parents won't get us a mobile phone. Um, those are big problems, and I'm not denying it. But our biggest problem is that our relationship with God is broken, and we are lost. And if our relationship with God is broken, then all of our other relationships get broken too. See, in the classic 1990s film, Home Alone, the youngest son in the family, Kevin, when he's about eight years old or so, says to his mother, I hope I never see my family again. On the next day, Christmas Day, he wakes up in the morning, doesn't he? And finds that his wish has come true. His family have all gone, and he is left home alone. See, we all turn away from God and are lost. Just like our first humans, our first fathers, Adam and Eve. And each of the three stories that Jesus tells pictures this from a different perspective. It says we're like lost sheep, wandering, wandering away from the shepherd. See, sheep spend most of their lives staring at the grass in front of them, just thinking about the next patch to nibble. Likewise, we can spend our lives just thinking about the next, the next weekend, the next holiday, 
the next box sets, the next job, the next relationship. And they're not wrong in themselves. But if our only focus is on these things, and we never think about our relationship with God, then we will wander away and stay lost. Or we're like, we're like the lost coin which gets dropped um, into the dirtiness and darkness of a lost world. And it's unable to reach out and move ourselves into the light. Or we're like the lost son, wanting to live in God's world, enjoying all the blessings he gives, but not wanting anything to do with our Father, God. Just living like he wasn't even there, and thinking that we're better off without him. See, the younger son, he probably enjoyed living off his his money, didn't he? Um, But it didn't last. And we don't know if it could have been a short time, or it could have been a stretched out. He could have stretched his money out of many, many years. But in the end, we know what happened in the end, didn't it? His money ran out. And we may be able to enjoy all that the world has to offer for, for a time, maybe many, many years. But it doesn't last forever. We get old, our health fades. Our relationships change and break down. Our things decay. We can't cling on to our lives forever. We know that feeling of coming back from an amazing holiday. Just getting the blues, don't we? Just realising that it couldn't last. The younger son ended up in a terrible state, didn't he? His money had run out. He's all alone. There's famine in the country And he's so desperate, he gets the worst, most shameful job imaginable for Jesus' listeners, feeding pigs. Thanks, Joel. Um, We may not all end up like the younger son, um, but we must all understand that our, our days are limited. Our lives here won't last forever, and one day we will die. In other words, we are lost. That's not where the story ends. The father welcomes the younger son back. In each story, the thing that was lost is found. And each story ends with a celebration. The younger son comes to his senses. He realises the state that he's in and has a memory of home. He thinks, it doesn't have to be this way. He knows he's, he's got no right to expect his father to welcome him back. But he prepares his sorry speech and begins the long journey home. He wasn't, wasn't expecting to be welcomed back. But he realised he's got, he's got nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else to turn. And perhaps, just perhaps, his father will show him some kindness. But we read next. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. In the film Forrest Gump, uh, Forrest is a, is a man from Alabama with a, with a, a low IQ and who's a likeable, innocent character. 
Forrest's best childhood friend, Jenny, leaves home, travels around and, and follows her dreams of being on stage, but ends up pursuing a life of drug use and relationships that turn bad and ends up in a desperate place. Forrest keeps writing to her and she never responds. And whenever they see each other throughout the film, she, grow, she quickly runs away again. And after so many years of, of running away, there's an emotional scene where Jenny comes back home to Forrest. And Forrest, he has nothing but joy and happiness at welcoming her back because he never stopped caring for her. And Jesus wants his audience to know that God welcomes sinners. It's in God's nature to show, to forgive, to show compassion, kindness and grace. See, the father was filled with compassion for his son. And compassion, that word, it means sharing someone else's suffering. In feeling someone else's pain deep in in your tummy. The father felt the son's pain and sadness. And poured out acts of kindness and love to comfort him. Right early in the Bible, when God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai... God proclaimed his name. In other words, God said, this is who I am. And this is what God said. He said, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That compassion, that ability to, an inclination to feel someone else's suffering, that is how God defines himself. This is who I am. See, friends, this morning, God feels your pain. He's not distant from you, but he cares deeply. He is compassionate. The father saw what what a sorry state his son was in. He was probably dirty, his clothes torn. He was thin, tired, worn down. And the father didn't despise his son but ran towards him and embraced him. And the son doesn't even get to finish his his sorry speech before the father interrupts him halfway through and asks his servants, quick, bring some clothes, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And the father calls him his son again, restoring him back into the family. And you see, the father is so joyful at welcoming his son, but he can't keep the joy to himself he has to it has to overflow into an extravagant celebration there's a feast the best steak is on the menu music and dancing all because this son was lost and is found so we started by asking how do i know i'm welcome in heaven And I said that we'd find an answer looking at this story in in the Bible, which is in many ways a summary of the whole Bible's message. We saw that in the beginning, the story was good. A man had two sons. God made the world and it was very good. The younger son then took from his father and ran away. We've all run away from God and are lost. And then the son came back to the father and received an extravagant, joyful welcome back into the father's home. 
It's in God's nature to show compassion and grace. Now, in in the lost sheep story, Jesus says, I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. In the lost coin story, again, Jesus says, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then in the lost son story, Jesus doesn't say, I tell you, but he shows us, lets us use our imagination what the celebration is like. You can, in the story, you can hear the music and dancing from in the house. You can, you can smell the feast being served up. But who is it who receives the welcome? Jesus says, it's a sinner who repents. In the first two stories, Jesus tells us it's sinners who repent who are welcomed. And in the third story, Jesus, rather than telling us, he shows us what that repentance is. So repentance is like the son turning back to the father. It's turning back to God, admitting that we have rejected God, which is what the Bible calls sin. And repentance is admitting that we've got nothing to bring to God but our sin. And then we can ask God to welcome us back into a relationship with him. To welcome us back into his home. Now we can, we can be welcomed because Jesus was separated from God for us. He became lost so that we can become found. The consequence for our sin has been taken. We can be welcomed freely. Now, when we first turn to God, if we first become a Christian, it can, seem, it can seem undramatic, can't it? It can seem quite ordinary. Like, what's changed? But Jesus tells us that there is there's loud, rapturous rejoicing in heaven. Your name is shouted out um, and celebrated because you are lost and are found. And I guess another question is, how does, this, how does this all happen in practice? How do people hear? And we see that in these stories, all of God um, is involved in this work. The Son is sent by the Father to seek and save the lost. And the Spirit fills and completes the work of the Son. And Jesus sends us, his people, out in the power of the Holy Spirit to seek those who are lost and to bring them to the Father. Telling people of the welcome that they can receive into the Father's home if they will turn and repent. As God's children, we're to demonstrate his compassion to a lost world. And also, let's just be encouraged in the welcome that each sinner receives when we turn back to God. And we can join in that celebration that happens in heaven when one sinner repents. So back to our question, how do I know that I'm welcome in heaven? Because God welcomes sinners. Let's just take a, take a minute before we move on to just reflect on 
what we've heard. Maybe you want to take this time to turn to God, to ask to be welcomed back into a relationship with him. Maybe we can take a minute to think how we can, how we can show God's compassion to others this week. Or maybe we can just reflect and just enjoy the welcome that we've received by Jesus. Okay, let's just... Let's pray together. Father, I, I thank you for your compassion and grace that you show to us. People who are lost and who've wandered far from you. Thank you for the comfort it is to know that you feel our pain. And that by running to you, we can experience the joy and freedom of intimate relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to show your compassion to a lost world that has wandered far from you. And let us join in the celebration of heaven when one sinner repents and long for the day when we can enjoy that feast with you and all of your people in heaven. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.